Hello, I'm Regina Botras and welcome backstage where we talk with theatre makers from actors, directors, writers, theatre heads and beyond about their life in the theatre and how they got to be where they are now. And I'm so excited to welcome my guest. It is Megan Wilding. She's a proud Gamilaroi woman who has established a reputation as a prolific, talented actor, writer and director. She's recent winner of the Griffin Award for her play Game Set Match. You may have seen her in the titular role of Blackie Blackie Brown for Sydney Theatre Company. She's been on television in Sheila's The Edge of Bush. She's a winner of the Balnais Foundation 2017 Indigenous Playwrights Award. She wrote and directed the acclaimed A Little Piece of Ash, which was produced by Jackrabbit Theatre at King's Cross Theatre. She's directing all over the place and been in a number of plays. She's also an ambassador for Poetry Month, which is happening at the moment. And she's here to talk with me about her life in the theatre and what she's doing now. Welcome to Stages, Megan. Hi, thank you for having me. This is thanks, exciting. Thanks, thanks for coming on. I want to have a chat about your play that's just won the award and uh, actually your poetry as well. But before we do, I know you studied a Whopper. So where are you from? Like where where did you begin life and what was your family like? Was it creative? Like what was life like for you growing up? Well, I grew up out at Guildford and uh, like Durrid country out west. I then went to a like it was like a soft performing arts school, but now is a heavily like performing arts school at Northmead. So that's when I kind of like started doing that thing of like, oh, drama's fun. Um, and then uh, took care of my dad. Uh, he passed away and my uncle worked at Eora Tafe in Redfern. And yeah, yeah. that's how I knew about the acting course there thought, yeah, let's just do it. Uh, did that for a year, then went over to Perth to do the Aboriginal theatre course at WAPA uh, for a year and then went straight into the three-year course. Yeah, and now I'm here. So were they creative, your parents? What kind of... Uh, no, did you do theatre? No. Look, they took me... I have some, like, really great memories of going to see, like, Aladdin and stuff like that and, and Beauty and the Beast and... And I think they really encouraged that kind of f- vibe, but they they themselves weren't creative people. Um, the and my my aunt, uh, my auntie Lil, was very much a creative person. I think she wrote poetry, um, which mm. I didn't know about until like she passed away and we found all these poems. And then also my uncle, who sat me down once I kind of like started dabbling in the arts. My uncle Jimmy Little really guided me by just saying, go for it, Pat. <laughs> wow. Wow. Your uncle was Jimmy Little? Yeah, my uh, Jimmy uncle, Little? uncle Jim oh. was married to my auntie Marge, who is my mum's sister. So that's how that kind of crossed over, which I was very grateful to have someone so so warm and and like just humble a part of my life a great treat (laughs) (laughs) so it sounds like you started kind of in acting and then you moved into writing and directing is that sort of the progress um I think it started with writing and then acting and then Mm. directing uh I I always would write just to 
kind of understand things or like mm. uh, after my Annie Lil died, I, I wrote about what happened around that time and kind of I, I guess it was like a kind of a pretty little journal entry um, with my own little spin on it. And I remember giving it to my mom and her reading it and be like, you she was like, you remember everything that happened. And I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> and so that went there. And then I just never really thought anything of that kind of writing. And then acting happened and I loved it. And then writing was always there. So I was like, why not put the two together? And then I've wanted to direct probably since I was like 20 I guess I was just really obsessed with just storytelling in general and like what aspects can I get my hands on. Mm, mm. So th- often it seems that your writing, I don't know, comes close, cuts close to your feelings, it seems. Like can you talk a little bit about A Little Piece of Ash and how that kind of making was in a way it seems like because you played your mother on the stage tell me a little bit about like how that came about and and the process for you maybe in the writing yeah so my mum passed away uh in 2014 at the end of 2014 when I was in my second year at WAPA and uh I was in Perth I was very far away from it and then came back to it and then jumped straight back into my third year of university and thought I kind of had processed it all until it was 2016. I was out of uni, kind of twiddling my thumbs, going, mm, how do I work in this industry? What am I doing? And then that's when that all came out going, well, maybe we should process this trauma first. Mm. And so I sat down at my laptop for a week and just wrote the first draft of a little, a little piece of ash. And I guess in a way it was because I was back home that I felt like the absence of my mum so much that I needed to write it out. And like since like in many developments after, I feel like the one thing that is is really great about A Little Piece of Ash is just how I was able to actually insert mum in there and then getting to play my mum was <laughs> weird and, and, and really, really great. Yes, especially when my family came to see it. It was, it was quite special because, yeah, it was, it, was, it was weird and I really liked it, but ooh, <laughs> what a thing to do. <laughs> Indeed. So when I read the first little introduction of Game, Set, Match, it sounds like it's sort of moving on from the from the end of a, a little piece of ash is that right oh yeah I feel like a little piece of ash is very much like a, a, a traumatic love letter to my relationship with my mother and the complexity of that and this I think is very much a, a revenge story that is, is not happening in a little piece of ash at all um mm-hmm. yeah I think that tonally the two are completely different and though Game Set Match does come from, like, uh, it's influenced by a, an, um, like a part of my life, I don't think it's as like, oh, that's Megan and her mum on stage, this is Megan and blah, blah, blah. It's very much like separated from myself, which is a good thing to do because you can't keep pouring your heart out on stage. 
<laughs> do you still like place yourself in that role though as some um, I mean not necessarily that we know it's going to be produced or is there talk of that but do you see it's still like part of you though and who is the revenge for like you know <laughs> who is who's the victim yeah or- that's the that's the thing that I think has been asked a lot around game set matches would you play her uh, Amber and I'm always very hesitant being like, I mean, I didn't want to play my mum in the first, in a little piece of action. That was not my gig. Like, yeah, I don't know. I'm still like, I don't want to say a certain no. And I, I, I feel like there are certain things within Amber that are very Megan, but I'd love to see someone else play it because I'd love to see the world and that play produced so I could like just sit in the audience and chill for a bit. And I, I'd, I'd, yeah, yeah, it's interesting. I don't know. I'd like to see someone else play it for sure. <laughs> Can you talk about the difference between like playing your mom and then playing a role like Blackie Blackie Brown in that sort of, um, I don't know, what, what just the, I suppose, the liberation? Is there some liberation of not playing your own words or, you know, what is, or is there liberation playing the work you've done, done yourself? Yeah, I think both are very liberating. I love being the writer in the room um just because you're able to be like oh that doesn't work let's just change it and also you're very aware of what you mean as the actor Mm -hmm. so there's no like I mean there's still work but there's not like "Hmm, what does the writer mean when they say this I'm like well that's what I meant and Blackie Blackie Brown was just like a fever dream um I loved it with like every single cell of my body Mm. yeah getting to say Nakia's words and be blacky, blacky brown and just do those things that she did was very liberating just because I never seen that on stage before and just you felt the reactions every night, whether they were warm or cool to blacky, blacky brown and how audiences did warm up with her or how they uh, like kind of were there from the get-go. Yeah, I, I love both. I love both aspects mm. of it. And I think that's the the caps thing mm. that I'm trying to do, like director, writer, actor. <laughs> um, and Survivor. Um, yeah, Survivor. <laughs> I'm still very much, like, enjoying the, the journey of all of it. You said when you came out of WAPA, you were trying to work out the industry and we've jumped from you trying to work out the industry to being kind of deep in it what happened in between like I know did you do web series and things like how did that leap happen yeah I I just have to say hustle and being like part of the industry um it's always very exciting to me uh how many great artists there are out there to collaborate with Mm. and it's not just about no this is where I I see myself it's it's about that like no, work, 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 and kind of like just strengthen who you are as an artist. And I think in those years after WAPA where where I was kind of like questioning my place in the industry, it was like, no, but like I think there's a spot there for me that is only my shape, is, is, is just me. So why not strengthen who I am and offer myself? And like let them offer me things, being like, hey, I'm an artist here doing my own thing. If you want me, have me, but I'm a sore hustle on this way. Yeah. 
yeah, I think that's, it was just collaboration and talking and not boxing myself in, mm. I think was the the key to it mm. and work. And, and I was, I'm very, very, very lucky for all the opportunities I've had. Mm. I can't help but think of um, a line from the Mojo Juju song, which says, I will not apologize for taking up this space, which I really relate to because I think often we are so afraid to walk in the room and say me and, you know, this is, there's only one me, like, like you've just said, and you, you described it actually. I was watching um, an old interview with you on the mix and you said, I'm Megan and I walk into a room and I'm Megan, you know, that's, I'm the only one, which I, I, I just love. I wonder, would you mind if I played your poem that you did for The Red Room? Can you talk to me a little bit about this poem and the writing of it? Yeah, I was I was approached to become an ambassador for Poetry Month and I was stoked because I'd always, like, written little, like, ditties and stuff. But then I got to write, a, like, a full poem and... It was there and I was like, I remember the process and I was like out out my like back in my backyard kind of being like, do I write one about nature and how beautiful it is? And I like would write the leaves are and I would just be like, no, <laughs> this is not it. And then I just went with how my heart was feeling and and the simplicity of me being like my my community and my family lift me up enough. I don't know why. Um like white Australia needs to be like, no, Aboriginals are relevant. Like I don't need it. I don't know why I need that validation. And that's kind of where that poem came from is about how like the matriarchy for me is just on point. I love them and they've always got me. Mm. And I wanted to celebrate that in like a little, little poem. <laughs> There's one line which says, my land would always tell me I was home and safe and hers and I believed her. It's all about being believed in. Can you talk about that connection to land for, for you, you personally? Yeah. I don't know how to put it into words, what that feeling is of, no, this, I think I can. I, I, for Christmas last year, I was lucky enough to be able to go back to where my family is from, Walgett, uh, Gimilaro country. And my aunt had built a house on the property where most of my family grew up and it used to be just this little shack. But now it's this like five bedroom with a granny flat out the back. And all of us kind of packed in to this house. And I had a moment when I was like sitting outside on the porch on a seat looking out to the levee bank. It was pitch black there was stars, there was like, it was warm. It was like hot still at night. And there was like this warm wind. And I had this moment of being like, I'm on the land that my mum lived on, that my mum was born on, that my aunt was born on, that my nan, like they're, they're all on this, this land with me right now. And it felt like I was able to reach back like thousands of years and just felt them all there. And I went, oh, that's what I carry around with me every single day. But it wasn't until I was on the land that they they touched that I was able to feel that connection so, so strongly. And that's what I think 
that connection of land to me is mm. is just being able to to hear it talk without the kind of noise of the city or of other lands like it's mm. my language talking to me mm. um which I think is so special mm. and yeah that I think that's the only way I could really kind of put that into words that moment or oh. what my love is for it beautiful and oh, I love that the connection to all all of the used past. What are you doing now, Megan? What are you doing now during this lockdown? Are you watching things? Are you writing? Are, are, are there online things? I've just started The Sopranos. Well, I'm up to <laughs> season three now. I've never watched them before. I'm about it. It's very intense and I'm still like, ah. But it's like, what did you expect? It's a show about the mafia. <laughs> um, and when I can, I like sit down at my laptop and I write some things mm-hmm. um I'm always writing on my iPad just little like sentences or whatever but I've learned not to put too much pressure on myself especially like through lockdown I think it's important not to be like out of this lockdown I will have this to show when it's just it's a weird time and if you want to write write but like if you just want to like I mean, we, we, we're all, we're all in collective mourning of what was, Mm. so you're allowed to do that as well. So it's very much like, how am I feeling in that day? Mm. Um, as to what I do as an artist, but yeah, I feel like I'm, I'm getting in touch with the soul with it and just like enjoying the sun when I can. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Megan Wilding, thank you so much and congratulations. Thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure. And that was Megan Wilding, the winner of the Griffin Award, playwright, director, actor and ambassador of Poetry Month through the Red Room. And here's her poem that we were talking about. Today I will be reading a poem that I wrote called Would, Could, Should. My sister would always tell me that she loved my curly hair and flat nose and freckled spotted face because they were beautiful and I believed her. My mother would always tell me that I was smart and brave and capable of doing anything that I put my mind to and I believed her. My auntie would always tell me that I came from a line of caring and strong warrior women and I always had their support and I believed her. My nan would always tell me that the strength of my people and my ancestors and my land was in my blood and spirit and I believed her. My land would always tell me that I was home and safe and that I was hers, no questions asked. And I believed her. So how can I know? How do you, yes, you, how do you, racist, white, 
Gubberman, invader of lands with blood-coloured hands, your list of commands ever think that I would, could, should accept your lies, hate, apologies, promises to never do it again when you have called everyone I believe a liar and wanted them dead. How could I ever believe you?